<laughs> Let's turn to Revelation chapter 12 again. And the other, keep your finger there, and the other passage I want to begin with is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. I want to talk to you today about the authority and, and being able to overcome. We, we read this verse last week, but many Christians struggle. They read this verse and it says, they overcame him, referring to the devil, by the blood of the lamb. And, and many Christians take a step back and they say, well, how does that make me an overcomer? How does the blood of Jesus make me an overcomer? And so my prayer today is that when we are through with this service and we leave this service, that you will have a greater understanding of what the blood of Jesus means for you and the authority and the power you, that you have by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Let's read this passage again. Look, look at verse 7 in Revelation chapter 12. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. In this passage where it says the word of their testimony, a better translation from the original language is the report of their martyrdom. And you can see that by the next phrase that said they did not love their lives to the death. They were, they were sold out to God. No matter what took place in their life, even if, if it caused them to lose their life, they were going to glorify Jesus. They were going to lift up Jesus. They were going to go forward in the kingdom of God and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. So you, do you see that passion today? Now when we think about the blood of Jesus, how does that affect us? What does that mean to us today? I want you to look at Ephesians Chapter 1, verse 7. That's going to be our next text. And while you're turning there, I want to give you another verse. It's, Hebrew, it's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7, it says, You have made him, speaking of Christ, a little lower than the angels. What does that mean? It means man is a step lower in creation than the angels. The angels naturally in their created state, that God gave them more power, more ability than he gave man. And if we think about that, then how can we come up against Satan? How can we come up against powers and principalities? How can we face off when the enemy comes to try to trick us and deceive us? And the answer is the power of the blood. It's the power of the blood. Look at Ephesians now, chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption. Everybody say that with me. In him we have redemption. The him is Jesus. 
In Jesus, we have redemption. Through his blood. Our redemption comes through the blood of Jesus. Then it says we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Are you thankful that God forgives us of all of our sins today? Amen. I've encountered people in the world many times in the past when years ago when I was in the sheriff's department and I was working in the jail and I was talking to men in the, in the jail system that had, had done terrible things. Some of them had even committed murder. And yet I would, they would come to me, we would have Bible studies, and I would tell them about Jesus. And one of the di most difficult things for them was to understand how that God could totally forgive all of their sin. Time and time again I heard them say, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. And I said, it doesn't matter what you've done, it matters what He did for you. And it matters that His blood redeems us from all unrighteousness. So if you're here today and you're struggling and you feel like saying, well, Pastor Milch, you don't know what I've done. Jesus knows what you've done and his blood is greater than all of our sin today. It's greater than the condemnation that the enemy would try to place upon us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Condemnation doesn't come from God. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit, but not condemnation. It's the enemy that wants to condemn you, not Jesus. Jesus came to redeem you. I love that, don't you? The first Sunday of every month, we take communion together. So that means next Sunday will be Communion Sunday. And when we take communion together, it's not just going through a church tradition. In that passage of Scripture in Corinthians, we, we commonly refer to, it says, this is my blood which is shed for you. It's Jesus speaking. And then it says, shed for the remission of our sins. Every time we come to communion church, it is a time of celebration and victory. And it is a time if we have struggled and, and had a difficult week and maybe we've stumbled and we've fallen and we've committed a, a sin. It's time to come to that table and say, Lord, forgive me and Lord, strengthen me. Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus and what it means for me. Lord, cleanse me afresh and strengthen and empower me, Lord, to, to conquer those sins. So I enjoy communion. I, I enjoy remembering what the Lord did for us and the significance that it has for us. It's not just church tradition. It's a time of coming to the Lord's table and saying, I have victory in Jesus today. It underscores the great work that he did on the cross. And the blood of Jesus is the foundation for the covenant that we have in Christ. The blood of Christ is the foundation. Listen to this, church. The blood of Christ is the foundation for all authority in your life. You don't have any authority without it. You can't stand against the enemy without it. He'll trick you and trap you and deceive you. 
But the blood of Jesus cleanses us. It redeems us. That blood of Jesus empowers us and strengthens us. And we have authority because of the blood of Jesus. Turn to somebody today and tell them, you have authority in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the key to all ministry. What gives me the authority to stand up here and open God's Word today and to share it with you? I have no authority in myself, but it's the authority of the blood of Jesus. When we come to the end of the service and we have people at the back and people across the front, and they come forward and, and we pray with them. What authority does our prayer team have? There's no authority in themselves. It's not because they've, you know, most of them have been Christians for years and years and years. They've weathered many storms. They've had great experiences. What, what gives them the authority to pray with others is the precious blood of Jesus. They come and they, they, they take your hand or, or just begin to agree with you in prayer. And they're not praying on their own authority. They're praying with you based on the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ for His church. I love that. How about you? In Revelation chapter 5, there's a verse that tells us something else about the blood of Jesus. It says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll, speaking of Jesus, and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us, there's that word again, redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. This authority that comes from the blood isn't for a certain select group uh, nationality-wise. Aren't you thankful for that? If we went around the room today, most of us are Heinz 57. We've got all kinds of nationalities in our background. But it doesn't matter what nationality we come from today. The blood of Jesus gives authority to every one of us when we come to Christ. I love that. How about you? In that passage, though, it speaks about something else. It speaks about singing a song gathered round the throne of heaven. I want you to think about this. The blood of Jesus will be an eternal theme for our praise for eternity. Amen? So never get tired of singing about the blood. Because we're going to do a lot of it in eternity. Amen? And we're never going to grow tired of it there. I guarantee you. There's going to be a greater revelation, a greater understanding when we go to be with Jesus than we understand now. But when we go to be with Him, there's going to be a greater revelation of the power of the blood and its significance in our lives. And it will be an eternal theme of glory in our praises. I asked Mitch to sing some songs this morning about the blood. And it's, it's, uh, sometimes it's difficult to find very many new songs that talk about the blood. But there should be always in our singing repertoire 
songs about the blood of Jesus. You believe that? Another thing about the blood, the blood of Jesus strikes terror in the heart of our enemy. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15, it says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcised in your flesh, that's talking about those that don't know Jesus, he has made alive together with him, that's talking about us when we come to Jesus, having forgiven you all trespasses. Everybody say all trespasses. Don't you love the word, that little bitty three-letter word, all? <laughs> the blood of Jesus doesn't just cleanse us from lying. It doesn't just cleanse us from stealing. It doesn't just cleanse us from being out of control in anger or bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness. All those things in our lives, all the mistakes, all the sins, it's, it, it covers all. Aren't you thankful for that today? It covers everything. It covers all of our sin. Having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. I want you to picture right now everything that you've ever done, every failure you've ever had, every sin, whether it was by accident, just ignorance, or, or rebellion, whatever your sin is, I want you to picture every sin in your life written down on a piece of paper, and I want you to see that, that paper nailed to that cross right there. Everything is nailed to that cross. Don't you love that picture? Having disarmed, everybody say disarmed, principalities and powers. The blood of Jesus disarms principalities and powers to rule in your life, to overcome you. And it says, He, speaking of Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, speaking of the cross. The cross is the ultimate victory. Amen? And most of us that have grown up in church, we were taught this in... Uh, elementary classes in our in our youngest of classes we begin to teach them and tell them about Jesus and his 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 death on the cross for us and what that means but church never lose the wonder of the power of the blood of Jesus never let it become commonplace to you never just let it, oh yeah I've heard that I've done that Got the t-shirt. Got the Never lose the wonder of the precious and powerful blood of Jesus. I want to look at another verse in Revelation. And I want you to think about this. We have the authority to lay claim to the power of the blood of Jesus. Because we're his family, we're his body, and the body of Christ. We're his children. So we have authority to lay claim to that power. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. To him who loved us and washed us from 
our sins in His own blood and has made us kings and priests to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then in that same chapter, verse 18, Jesus says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus took authority. The keys represent authority. He took the authority that Satan had because of the fall of man. He took that back through the blood of the cross. What, what a powerful picture that is. And I want, to, I want to ask you, do you call upon that authority? Do you recognize the authority that you have as a Christian, as a believer? I love the fact that this verse says, He made us kings and priests. How many of you have ever dreamed that all of a sudden you discovered that you have royalty in your family? And everybody passed away and they come knocking on your door and say, you're the next in line to be the queen or to be the king. If you've ever watched a Hallmark movie, about every other one is about that. I don't watch them, but Melinda forces me to. But God says that Jesus paid the price where that we're redeemed, we're forgiven, and now we are royalty. Turn to somebody and tell them, God has made you royalty. What does a king do? A king rules. You should never encounter in your life a time as a Christian when you do not rule. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm just beat up and knocked down. And I'm tell, I'll tell them, yes, we have fights, but we have the victory over the enemy and we are not to live a life where we're just pressed down, beaten and oppressed. We live a life in Jesus where we rule in life. We're kings. And we take the authority of Jesus in our lives and we expand that authority wherever we go. That's the call of God on our lives. It also says that we're priests. What do priests do? What do priests do? They, they give worship to God and they lead others in worship to the Lord. Amen? So every one of us has that call. We're not to, to be people that never worship. Our whole life is to be worshiped. And we're to lead others to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? I love that verse. So there's another passage that I love where Jesus is talking about keys. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. 16 and 18, he says, I will build my church. Who builds the church? Jesus. Who has turned our church around? When I came, there were less than 30 people here. Was it me? No. Was it the worship team? No. Jesus builds his church. You're here today because Jesus drew you to be here. Jesus builds his church. I love it. 
Let's go on. What does it say? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell. But church, the gates of hell are defensive. Gates are to keep the enemy out, right? So we're not to sit down and relax and just kick back in our easy chair and say, Lord Jesus, come get me out of here someday. We're to bust down the gates of hell and set the captives free. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Right? Didn't we just read that? (laughs) But the church too many times is just sitting back, kicking back, and just kind of putting on the cruise control. As Christians, we're not to put on the cruise control. (laughs) We're to stomp down on the throttle in the power of the Holy Spirit and take it to the enemy. (laughs) Verse 19, Jesus continues and he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love that passage. And from time to time, I'll, I'll quote that. And I've preached an entire message on that. No place in Scripture does God's Word give us a list of the keys of the kingdom. But if you study Scripture, you can, you can kind of figure out at least what some of those keys are. And let me tell you, the foundational key to the kingdom of God is the blood of Jesus. That's our access to victory. That's our access to, the, to authority. It's the precious blood of Jesus. Church, we don't just bebop into ministry. Don't just da-da-da-da-da. Well, I'm going to pray for somebody today. I'm going to teach a class today. I'm going to preach the word today. Another day, another Sunday. We come because of the blood of Jesus and the authority in the blood. And it's the power and the authority in the blood of Jesus that we rely on to know that the ministry of God is going to take place through our lives. And it's not about us. It's not about our ability. It's not how eloquent we are or how intelligent we are. It's about the power of the blood of Jesus that has transformed my life. And I'm living in that authority of Jesus. And that's what enables me to preach or to teach or to pray. So church, don't ever... Just bebop into ministry. Don't ever come with an attitude, well, it's just another Sunday, I'm going to do this or you're going to do that. You come recognizing that the enemy is there, that he's going to try to hinder anything that you want to do. But through Jesus Christ and the power of the blood, you have the authority to see captives set free. You have the authority to see lives transformed, to see people healed, to see them changed. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus and allowing His Holy Spirit to flow through our lives and to minister to others. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand 
in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. I love that. How many like that scripture? You like that promise? Jesus is placed far above all principality and power. There's no enemy that will ever come against you that isn't already under the authority and power of Jesus. You're never going to face an enemy, a, a trick or trap or deception, a plan, a scheme of the enemy towards your life that Jesus doesn't have the answer for and will give you the power to overcome it. How many like that idea? Amen. Heavenly places here speaks of the invisible spiritual realm. And Christ has been exalted over all things, over all powers. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 is another verse along these lines. It says, and being found in an appearance as a man, it's talking about Jesus. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen! <laughs> Hallelujah! I love that. You may find somebody in this world today that pushes away from anything about Jesus. They may even curse him. They, they may tell you that they will never accept Jesus. They don't have anything to do with Jesus. They, they do, their whole life may, may be just pushing against the things of God. But church, I want to assure you this passage tells us that one day every knee will bow before him. And I'm thankful I'm one of those that loves to bow my knee before him right now. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We just read where Jesus has all power in the heavenlies, on earth, and in hell. All are under him. And this verse here says that everything is put under his feet, but notice it talks about the church, which is his body. This is important. It's saying that all of these enemies of the Lord, they're under his feet, but we are the body of Christ. Amen? And the enemy, if we're the body, guess what? The enemy's under our feet too. Through Jesus. 
through Jesus. How many of you are walking that out every day? How many of you are living that? Saying, the devil, you're under my feet. You're not going to win. You're not going to trick me. You're not going to deceive me. You're not going to discourage me. You're not going to depress me. Because you're under my feet, according to the word of God. I'm, the, I'm part of the church. I'm part of the body of Christ. And the word of God says, you're under my feet. Now, I'm not telling you you won't have a battle. I'm not telling you that the enemy isn't trying to deceive you. He's not trying to, that he isn't trying to destroy your life or your family. But what I'm telling you, you have a resource and the power of the blood of Jesus today. And the enemy is overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And you are the body of Christ. And the enemy is under your feet. And church, we need to walk it out. We're living in a time when we see terrible things taking place in the world and the world needs to see the love and the life and yes, the victory and the overcoming power of Jesus in the life of his church. Do you believe that today? The original verse that we started off with, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. I love that. Does that encourage you? When you face a battle, do you wonder, how am I going to make it? How am I going to survive? If the enemy's coming and, and just trying to beat you up, there's an old joke that Tony Evans tells that's about two boxers. And they, the bell rings and both of them come out and they face each other. And one boxer's just getting plummeted by the other one. He, he, can't, get, he can't block the... the the blows and he's just getting beat up and he, he comes back, the be, he makes it through the first round, he comes back and sits down, he's exhausted, he looks over to his trainer and his trainer looks at him and says, you're doing great, he didn't lay a glove on you, come on, you can do it. So he pushes him back out there, the bell rings, they go another round, he gets plummeted again and just beat up and he comes back and he's staggering, he sits down he looks at his trainer, his trainer goes, oh, you're doing a great job. Come on, you can, can, can do it, you can do it. He's not laying a glove on you. And he looks at his trainer and he said, well, somebody better keep an eye on that referee because somebody out there is killing me. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> that the enemy's just coming from different angles, different directions, it seems like he's getting those blows in. That's when you call upon the authority of the blood of Jesus in your life. I pray for my family and I, I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. And you may, not, you may have never heard that. And pleading the blood isn't something that's in Scripture, but let me tell you what I mean by that. In a court case, you come in and you make a plea based upon a defense or based upon a claim. And what pleading the blood is, it's when I come and I pray for my family and I plead the blood of Jesus over them and I'm pleading the blood saying by the power and authority of, and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus, devil, take your hands off of what belongs to God. We can, we can call upon the authority of the blood of Jesus. That's what I mean by that. 
And the Bible tells us we can do that. Amen? Another verse, and I'm about done. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed. There's that word we've been talking about. Redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Now this is interesting. The Holy Spirit inspired Peter. When you think of corruptible things, what would we think about? We'd think about hay or straw, stubble, something that easily deteriorates. But what does God say? He uses silver and gold, two of the most precious materials that we have in this world. And he says those things are corruptible. Think about that. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like, the, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. We're not redeemed, church, by our tradition. Now, I'm not saying that all tradition is bad. Tradition starts because there's a meaning behind it. And we go through those traditions as a reminder pointing us back to a biblical truth. But there are times when tradition just becomes tradition. Why do we do this? Well, grandma and grandpa did it that way. So we have to be careful that our traditions don't become elevated to the stance that we start looking to those traditions as a source of redemption. But our redemption comes only through the blood of Jesus. Amen? I'm saying you can't get to heaven based on grandma because she was a, a precious lady and went to church and read her Bible and prayed for you all the, all the time. You can't grab her coattail as she's ascending into heaven one day and say, I'm going to go along for the ride. Every one of us has to make that decision that recognizes what Jesus did for me and the redemption. And I want to I I take that a little further. What does redemption mean? The picture that the Bible gives us is of the slave trade in that day. When you would come into a slave market and you would see a slave chained up and bound and the slave master there, and the only way that that slave would ever be freed and that those chains would be broken or removed is if there was a price paid for that redemption. And the Bible says there's only one price that bought our freedom and that's the blood of Jesus. You and I, we were bound. We were in that slave market the enemy had yokes of bondage in our life. And that's the way many people continue to limp through life. They never know the freedom and the joy that comes from knowing Jesus and being set free from your sin. 
Has anybody ever been set free from your sin? Oh, come on. Y'all are too quiet today. We've been set free from our sin. We're redeemed. We're those slaves that have been bound and, and Jesus came and his blood purchased our freedom. So those chains are removed from our lives. Aren't you thankful for that? I want the worship team to come. And I want you to think about what I mentioned a moment ago. When you're praying, do you call upon the authority of the blood of Jesus? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've opened up your heart and life to him. If you said, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins, cleanse me from all my sins, come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord and my Savior. Guess what? You're translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And when you're translated into that kingdom, you have kingdom authority to call upon the precious blood of Jesus. When you're in the midst of a battle, do you call upon Jesus? Do you call upon the authority of the blood? The enemy trembles when you bring up the blood. And I'm going to close with a story that happened to me years ago as a young pastor. Melinda and I were in Kodiak. We'd only been in Alaska for a couple of years. And in that home, we had six girls that were placed into state's custody and we would uh, help them learn skills. And if they had been uh, addicted to substances, most of the time it was their parents that were addicted and the kids were just removed from the home. But many of the, the girls came from different locations and had gone through different things. And there was one young lady that she was bound by the enemy. And she began to manifest. You could just see and sense the presence of darkness in her life. And as she cried out, screamed, I, I began to tell her about Jesus. And I began to lead her through a prayer to accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And when I did, that demonic oppression in her life just took hold of her. And she couldn't pray with me. She couldn't finish the prayer. She had that strong of a hold of the enemy in her life. And being a young preacher, this was the first time that I'd ever encountered that. But I had been taught by those that mentored me. I had been taught by my parents and my grandparents about the power of the blood of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus. So I didn't know how to pray for this young lady, but I knew she was in bondage to the enemy. The enemy didn't want to lose his control in her life. And I knew that I was in the midst of a battle that I couldn't win on my own. But I began to pray 
And I began to pray in the authority of the blood of Jesus. And I said, devil, the blood of Jesus is against you. You have no power and no authority over this young lady's life. She wants Jesus to come into her life, to come into her heart, to be her Lord and Savior. And I continued to pray in the power and authority of the name of Jesus, in the power and the authority of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And I continued to pray. And in a few moments, that oppression was broken off of her life and she fell down and and she sat up and she had this huge smile on her face. And she said, he's gone. (laughs) He's gone. And you say, well, pastor, it sounds like to me you're getting a little weird. I've always been weird. The world thinks you're weird when you're sold out to Jesus. Let me tell you, the Bible teaches us there is a spiritual realm. And that there are powers and principalities, rulers of darkness. There is a devil, a Satan, and the fallen angels. But we as Christians do not worry about it. Just like that situation. I didn't know much. I didn't know how to pray. But I knew the power of my Savior. I knew the power of His name. And I knew the power of His blood. And I knew that His power was greater than all her sin and all the oppression and all the bondage in her life. And I knew that He could set her free. And that's the job of the church. To take that glorious message and to see Jesus set people free. Will you stand with me? Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com give.